This past week, I have done two what I would consider very nerdy things. Uh, In in reality, they're very serious things, uh, and it's a step in the right direction for me. That's what I'm going to dive into at the beginning of this. However, there was also the Oscars, and and a particular Oscar snafu. How does... How do snafus happen during award shows? I don't understand that. There was an Oscar snafu last night, not to mention the fact that I love to pan the Oscars anyway because things like certain films, I don't know, Star Wars, for example, don't end up winning anything. Uh, also, the DNC, they elected a brand new chair. Was it Keith Ellison or was it uh, was it the same old, same old? Dive into that too, all this and more coming up. This is Fritz Cast, and it is Monday, February 27th, 2017. It's 10 a.m. in the morning. This is actually a, a lot later than I normally start the podcast. And can you believe in, in just a, a short couple of days, February is done and we'll be in uh, March already? I thought, wasn't it just like yesterday that, it, that the ball dropped and it was 2017 and we were all certain we were going to die because Donald Trump was elected president? And yet here we are, trucking through, trucking through another week of this year, this <laughs> this insane year, to say the least. I uh, want to start off uh, real quick before I dive into the nerdy stuff, and well, you know, that's, that's actually a lie because uh, even this bit is nerdy. Uh, Saturday, I managed to get the day off, uh, my captain granted me the day off, and uh, so I kind of surprised my wife. She probably wouldn't say it was a total surprise, but it kind of was. Um, I surprised my wife by, you know, telling her first thing in the morning. I was like, oh, hey, by the way, actually, that's not how I did it. Why don't I tell you exactly how I did it? Uh, we woke up. Well, she woke up first, so she was on the couch. I came out from the bedroom, sat down next to her, and I said, hey, why don't we go to the Franklin Institute and go see uh, the Jurassic World exhibit? And she immediately was like, yeah, but we, we'll be rushed because you have work tonight. And I went, well, about that. Apparently, I, I had put in the request off for this day months ago, back in December. And I can't remember what for, but they gave it to me. And so, with that, I was like, well, hey, actually, I have the day off. So why don't we just go to Philly, go to the Jurassic World, have like a nice little late lunch, early dinner, and then come home and proceed to do nothing with the evening. Which is precisely what we did. We <laughs> went to go see the Jurassic World exhibit at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, epic, in a word. The animatronics that they have today are insane. Super insane. Uh, I remember going, I remember my mom taking me when I was a younger kid to like the Chase Center here in Wilmington, Delaware. It's it's just this big building now that barely gets used to my understanding. Uh the Chase Center, it was it was some kind of dinosaur exhibit, same thing animatronics and all that, but that was back when I was a kid and the animatronics were well, not impressive, you know, like heads moving up and down and 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 a dinosaur that could look left to right and spit water. <laughs> like that that type of thing. This is the real deal. Like th- they decked out 
the special exhibit area for the Franklin. Uh, they built a fake boat deck. Uh, and you watch this informational video as you're gliding into Isla Nublar, the, uh, the, for those of you who don't, uh, habla España nerd talk, uh, that is the island from the first Jurassic Park, Isla Nublar. So you take a boat ride out to Jurassic World, and just like the movie, they have clips from the movies and everything. And then uh, you literally walk through, these gates open up from the boat, and you walk in, and you walk through the archway of Jurassic World. Now, it's not as tall as it was in the movie, but yeah, they're working with what they got. Stop, get off their back. They're working with what they got. Uh, so you walk through, and then you have all these animatronic dinosaurs. Massive huge animatronic dinosaurs where you're talking even the details like their eyes move. You can watch their eyes move and you could watch them blink. And it's crazy. It's crazy. They had like a stegosaurus, the the, the long neck plant eater. Is that a stegosaurus? I might be wrong. I might be showing my stupidity here. Either way, they had one of those. They had, um, th- there was a cheesy bit. There was a cheesy bit with uh, velociraptors and the, the, the dinosaur human puppet suits that they have that really cheesy, really cheesy, but that's for the kids. So I can get over that. Uh, and then a, a full size animatronic Tyrannosaurus Rex that walks out in front of everybody, uh, knocks a Jeep over, like just just like right out of the movie, only in real life, right there, in front of your eyes. It was pretty boss. If I had to, if I had to say, it was pretty boss. It, I was impressed with the fact that the animatronics are that um, in line now, and that they can put together a display like that and take it around the United States. Very very impressive, to say the least. I snapped some video. Perhaps I'll post that on the uh, the Facebook page. Later today, uh, I posted it to my to my Facebook page, but I'll post it to the Fritzcast Facebook page and Twitter as well. So that was epic. If Jurassic World comes into your area, I mean, go go to it. Uh, we, we me and my wife are members at the Franklin Institute, so we didn't have to pay full price access for it. But I mean, it is expensive. I'm not gonna debate prices right now, but it was pretty uh it was pretty cool. To say the least. And just an epic scale. Like huge dinosaurs. Huge. And the detail that they put in them and all that. It was it it was, it was, was good work. I, it makes me wonder where it will be. In the next like five years. Because uh, I'm telling you. I watched a freaking T-Rex animatronic walk out in front of me. That was crazy. Or as Darth Vader would say. Impressive. Most impressive. Indeed, indeed. But uh, what what other way was I a nerd over the uh, over the past week? Uh, Friday, uh, at I believe it was eight o'clock in the morning, sharp or eight thirty. I don't really remember. It was Friday. It was a couple days ago. Cut me some slack. I went to a a pretty much like a town hall meeting, a, a coffee coffee meeting with his constituents. I went to. Uh, District 7, State Senator Anthony DiColo, uh, he had a sit-down coffee with his constituency at, uh, at the local fire hall. And I went uh, because I work 4 to 12 and I don't do anything Friday mornings uh, other than homework. 
Which, by the way, this is my final, my final week of classes before I earn my uh, bachelor's. But I, I, I digress. I'm going in and out here. I went to, uh, yeah, I went to the town hall type meeting on Friday, which was very interesting. Never done this before. Never gone to uh, my district leader having a meeting uh, with the with the general public to see what it was about. And it was very interesting. Uh, I think it lasted an hour, maybe maybe an hour and a half. And Senator DeColo kind of briefed us uh, of, of all the current ongoings in the state of Delaware. And one of the things that was a focus of his was uh, the, the, the issue that the Department of Corrections has faced uh, over the past month uh, with, the, with the death of uh, Sergeant Stephen Floyd. Uh, posthumously promoted to Lieutenant Stephen Floyd. And uh, it was Thursday, in fact, last week, that uh, the Delaware Labor Committee, I believe I'm saying that right, if I'm wrong, I apologize, had uh, had a hearing period where uh, I think it was about three, hour, three hours worth of uh, testimony from past and present correctional employees to air out concerns within the Department of Corrections. And I, for one, was thankful that the Labor Committee decided to have it. Because one of the things about these news stories, these news stories roll out. And then you have industry, like uh, like the News Journal, for example, putting out stories, and then all of a sudden you get the spins. You get the different spins. So you have... A flood of stories coming out about offenders' families and their concerns about their families, which are which are legit. Those are legitimate, but that's where the focus seemingly has been from news media around the state of Delaware. And it was nice for the officers to have the opportunity to come before the government and say, "Listen." This is this is a problem. This is some of the stuff that's going on, and this needs to be solved. It's sad to say that here we are having this meeting because in 2004, the Department of Corrections faced a hostage situation in which a counselor was repeatedly raped. That ended in a tactical. Uh, that that ended in a tactical means from from the uh, the prison SWAT teams. For us, that's CERT, the Correctional Emergency Response Teams. They had to kill that offender in 2004. There was no other way to resolve that issue, and you had a counselor that was raped multiple times. And it bred from almost exactly the same problems that the department is still trying to work through problems such as staffing woefully understaffed complacency a lack of resources a lack of money this is the thing when I talk to people about what happened at James T. Vaughn Correctional Center on February 1st it doesn't matter what inmate grievances pop up if staffing isn't adequate in your prison 
you're not going to carry out anything. It's impossible to carry it out if you don't have the staffing. And that's the bind that the Department of Correction is in now. Senator Del Colo, he is, of course, he's my district representative. He sits on the Labor Committee. So he sat Thursday in these hearings, hearing all these correctional employees speak. Friday, he briefs his town hall constituents about that meeting. Now, I attended that meeting. I didn't tell him, I didn't approach him at any point during that meeting. I, I didn't tell him, hey, I'm that I, I'm, I'm a guy that sent you an email from the Department of Corrections. I just sat back to see what the meeting was. He briefed that room of people on the situation, and he's very supportive of the state finding a solution, sticking and going forward with those solutions, because they're the same recommendations that were made years ago after the 2004 incident, yet here we sit after a staff member has been murdered. And a lot of the, a lot of the issues are the same issues that have gone unaddressed. And most people, I think most sane-minded people would say, that's kind of unacceptable. Second way I was a nerd this week is that this morning I just finished up about an hour and 15 minute long meeting face to face, just me and him with Senator Del Colo. We, uh, me, him and his, uh, his aide sat down for coffee and had a, a, a very lengthy discussion about things, uh, from, from, you know, my perspective, whatever, whatever I could give him. And uh, I think that speaks a lot for a state representative to take the time to do that. I mean, Senator Docolo, he offered that out to the constituency at his, at his Friday town hall. He said, my email is on my card and my cell phone number is on my card. Reach out to me, and I will try to reach out back to you. And and if you want to have a sit-down, we can have a sit-down. I've never, ever sat down with somebody that I voted for and had a discussion about some pretty serious, significant things. I've never done that before in my life. And it was kind of uh, humbling, in a way, that I could sit down and have coffee with my representative and actually voice my concerns and he could hear my concerns and he could voice back some of the things that he wants done and some of the things that he's going to look into and, and what he's pursuing. I I like this guy. All right, I did vote for this guy, too. It should be sa- That should be stated. <laughs> His opponent had been in office for, well, get this, a little quick fact-checking, since 1990. I mean, I was born in 1989. She's been, she had served practically my entire lifetime. That's kind of nuts. And, and not only the fact that Senator Del Colo sat down with me, 
who I look at myself and I'm just Joe Blow. I should be Joe Blow on somebody's radar. Not to him because I'm his constituent. Mind you, a constituent who is directly in something that the state is investigating, yes, but he 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 was more than okay with me if I wanted to bring up something else that concerned me in the state of Delaware related to the seventh district even. He would he would have been fine if I did that. And the meeting that we had, not only am I appreciative of that, but it was like an hour long meeting. An hour and fifteen minutes to be exact. Uh, that's how long this meeting was. Sit down and discuss things, and it was just, like I said, it was mind-opening to me. Never sat down with an elected official like that and had an at-length discussion uh, in, in such a way, too, that uh, that I was respected, I was encouraged to speak candidly, I was, uh, I was questioned when he wanted more information, he wanted direct perspective not just small talk. And he notated it well. His aide was uh, following along, interjecting what he felt would be useful information as well. And I, I walked away from that meeting having a deeper respect for somebody that I voted for, for somebody that I helped get elected. I walked away with a very... Uh, personal experience with it. And it makes this whole political awareness thing seem much more important than a lot of people treat it. Maybe that's because of who their leaders are. Maybe it's because of who they as individuals are. I had never taken this this line of, I, I guess you could say, activism. I guess that is a type of activism. Soliciting the uh, the ear of your leader, whoever that may be. So needless to say, it was a very good, informative, eye-opening meeting for me. I think uh, Senator DeColo took uh, the meeting very seriously, took, uh, took heed to the words that I was giving him. Uh, a lot of it was reiterated at the hearings that he had on Thursday. Or rather, I was reiterating it to him on a personal level to him as my representative also and I apologize to him and his aide Brian uh, when I went to the, the town hall meeting I did uh, key up my uh, phone and recorded a bit of it so I just want to play this clip real quick from it pardon the quality because it is from my cell phone but uh, I, I want to play this clip from it real quick uh, just to highlight something I like about him. So that means supporting our volunteer fire services. That means making sure that Newcastle County can graduate its class of 16 people. That means reevaluating the state police staffing that hasn't been looked at in 20 years. 20 years. Anyone see more heroin and drug issues and violent crime? For God's sake. We are not focusing on the things that are the bedrock of our society. And it's going to start to happen. Look, we saw things fraying at the edges, and I believe because we have not been sufficiently hyper-focused on the correctional situation, now a heroic sergeant lost his life. And that, aside from making me very sad, makes me absolutely furious. Furious enough to do things that are not perhaps politically prudent, but will damn sight sure be good for the people of this state. 
And I can tell you that when the stuff, I see stuff happening that could go in the direction where we're not focusing on our volunteer fire service and we're not giving the proper support to these basic bedrock foundational things that make our society function, <coughs> that is when you're going to start to see a totally different side of me because you've seen me very, be very pleasant and very nice and I try to be. But when it comes to things like this, it's unacceptable. So I'll be, I'll be standing with you and I'm going to look at getting rid of weight. You know, we spend, and I'll, I'll finish very quickly, I'm sorry, Fred, but as an example, a correctional officer gets paid $37,000 a year to start. We pay someone who is an unskilled laborer, who is by law not allowed to touch a tool, to go in and renovate or clean up after the renovation of a bathroom in a correctional facility, or clean up after replacing windows in a school. Right now in Newcastle County, we pay someone who by law is not allowed to touch a tool and is an unskilled laborer who works for a private construction company, $43 an hour. If a person is working on an annualized basis, for $43 an hour, that's over $90,000 a year. That's more money than we pay new prosecutors, that's more money than we pay new police officers, that's more money than I earned when I started out as a private attorney, that's more money than we pay people in the General Assembly who are legislators, that's more money than we pay, obviously, our correctional officers, we pay, that's way more money than we pay our starting teachers. And what does that come to? That comes to about $125 million additional dollars that we spend on our procurements when we allocate monies to deal with our infrastructure. So, should we pay people a crappy, awful wage? No. But do we have to be rational? Yes. Just a clip there for you. Just a clip. I really find this guy interesting. I really like him. I'm keeping in touch with him. Uh, I've already told him about the podcast. He gave me permission to discuss uh, our meeting today. And who knows, you know, in the future, I might very well ask him if he would care to come on the program. That'd be cool. Have an interview, sit down with, with an actual state representative. That, 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 would be, that would be pretty cool. So we'll keep that in mind on the line. Uh, next bit I want to go to was the, the surprising results of the Democratic National Committee chairperson uh, nomination. Uh, for those of you who, who were unaware or didn't know, uh, and I didn't cover it, my bad, forgive me, just an example of how many things are going on at one time. Uh, there was debates going on for the DNC chair, uh, like on CNN and, and things of that nature, streaming online even. It's been a big deal and a big focus because the Democratic Party whether anybody wants to admit it or not, is in about as much shambles as the Republican Party is right now. Uh, the Republican Party seemed to be in shambles with Donald Trump leading the pack before the election, and then the election came, and Donald Trump uh, handedly wins uh, electoral college uh, nomination, and everybody kind of got flipped upside down by that. Everybody was like, how did that happen? And... Some people were surprised, and some people, like myself, were not so surprised. Um, without diving into criticisms of Hillary Clinton or the whole election process of 2016, which was mind-numbing at times, and that's on both sides of the spectrum, both sides of the aisle, both parties, okay? Now, you, knew, you knew I was a Gary Johnson guy. If you were surprised by that, you didn't listen to any of my podcast episodes at all. 
but that's beside the point. I was a Gary Johnson guy, so does that mean that I'm that does that mean that I call the shots right? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I stress to everybody, I'm not. This really isn't about right or wrong. This is just about the way I see things, and what I stumble across, and how I evolve politically, which is a process. I watched, and you can go back and listen to any of the previous fifty some episodes. I don't know how many there are. I'm actually getting ready to sit down and do a little package like a little YouTube clip of just some highlights to throw up on my Twitter page and put on the Facebook page to, to put more promotion out there for, for the show. That way people can hear little clips and decide, oh, do I want to listen to this guy or not? I don't know. But you, you can hear me when I talk about the, the whole process because I followed it from the primaries all the way up to the election. I followed it from the primaries to the election. Like, hardcore... My days were filled with watching debates, news clips, reading tons of articles. I must have read thousands of articles. As Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, as the Democratic Party slowly narrowed it down to just Bernie and and Hillary. That was a lengthy process, and there was only four candidates. All right, the Republican Party went from 17 candidates down to essentially Cruz and Trump, and way took took way too long for people to decide who they wanted to go with. In my humble opinion, what do I know? I'm just a guy. So, the DNC, the race for the Democratic National Convention chair, if you will, because uh, was it not Donna Brazil who? Finished out as DNC chair. Uh, I could be wrong in that. I, I really could. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna type up and try to Google it now. But uh, Donna Donna Brazil was a terrible, just filler choice uh, for the time being. It came down to Keith Ellison, who, uh, of course, Bernie Sanders was backing. How Bernie Sanders was backing or anybody cared about what Bernie Sanders had to say about the Democratic National Convention anymore. Uh, in case anybody didn't notice, Bernie Sanders went back to being, you know, he took he dropped the parentheses Democrat tag from, from the end of his name and now he's back to independent status. Which, it, it amazes me how closely he wants to work with the Democratic Party without actually being a, a, a Democrat. That was very telling when he jumped into the presidential race. He was a guy that knew that doing it independently apparently wasn't going to work very well for him. So he decided to go with the Democratic Party. And eh, we can we can kind of debate and discuss and say that the Democrats weren't very open-minded to him, weren't very welcoming to him. But at the end of the day, Bernie Sanders lost the process, the Democratic process. Now... Was it shady as hell? Yeah, kinda. <laughs> yeah, kinda turned me off from ever wanting to go, oh, I'll register Democrat. Not interested anymore. V- very much so not interested. This is the this is the this is the great point of being a political independent type of guy. Like, yes, I'm registered libertarian and I'm th- I'm thinking about dropping that as well. Um, despite the fact that I think it's a, a good combination of two different philosophies melded into one. But I'm just saying that that 
that Democratic primary was shady as hell. Shady as hell. And here's independent Bernie Sanders now pushing for Keith Ellison to be DNC chair. So you have the Bernie wing of the DNC, which, mind you, let's be respectful. There is a wing of the DNC that was squarely in Bernie Sanders' corner so passionately that it looked as if they were going to cause a ruckus at the Democratic National Convention when they nominated Hillary Clinton. And Bernie Sanders, he could have, he could have stood up and gone with the, quote, revolution. But he didn't. He backed down. He backed down and said, give it to, give it to Clinton. She won. Was it, were, were his followers very happy with it? Eh, not really. A lot of them did get on that bandwagon of, okay, well, we have to just, we have to do it to stop Trump. Didn't work out very well. That's Keith Ellison, Bernie Sanders' wing of the DNC, who got elected to the DNC, but Tom Perez, establishment favorite for the DNC chair. Now, the establish, the establishment-favored line, that comes from a New York Times article reporting on it. A New York Times article reporting on it. I don't often go to the New York Times to cite something that is fair and balanced. The New York Times kind of on the left there, and they're saying that the Democratic Party nominated establishment favorite Tom Perez to head the DNC chair. Rather ballsy move, considering that a lot of people don't like the word establishment right now. On both sides of the aisle, a lot of people don't like establishment now. Here's one of Perez's first statements upon being elected DNC chair. We lead with our values and we lead with our actions. We talk to them about how Literally hours into the Trump administration, he was a fraud. He made it harder for first-time home buyers to buy a home hours into administ- his administration. Days later, he made it harder to save for retirement. He nominates a justice, a judge for the Supreme Court who wants to eviscerate collective bargaining. When we lead with our values as Democrats and talk about what we've done to make sure we're protecting Social Security, protecting Medicare, growing good jobs in this economy, if you want good jobs, elect a Democrat. That's the message that we have to communicate. It's a message that is true. It resonates in every zip code, and, and that's what we're going to be doing all over this nation, leading with our values, leading with the facts. And the facts are Democrats grow the middle class, Democrats protect economic security, and we need to do a better job of communicating that message everywhere. I don't really like little taglines like, if you want jobs, vote Democrat. We got you. I, I don't like party play. That's such a party play. I, I realize that he's the chair of the Democratic National Convention. But the way that these things are played, especially on the, uh, on, the, on the more so the nationalized scale like that, it's so party favorite. I mean, come on. We have to work together. We have to hear each other's side. And we have to find some common ground at least. And in my eyes, it all has to be based on the Constitution, the law. It has to fit the bill. We can't get too specific and we can't be too vague. It has to be in the realm of authority. 
that we grant the government. And sometimes we need to be wary of how much authority we give the government. In all reality. So, Tom Perez takes the DNC chair. He has that to say. Donald Trump, of course, because he can't hold back. Because he can't... He can't leave... uh, He can leave no stone unturned. Says... Well, what does he say? He says... The primary, the, the, or the primary, my bad. The, uh, he says, tweet, quoting a tweet here. Uh, at 6.33 in the morning, no less, on the 26th of February, quote, the race for DNC chairman was, of course, totally, quotation marks, rigged. Uh, Bernie's guy, like Bernie himself, never had a chance. Clinton demanded Perez. End quote. Now, why? The Republican president, who has so much on his plate, has the time to tweet about the Democratic national chairman election. I have no idea. I have no idea whatsoever, but this is the the man that gets up and goes to the bathroom at 3 o'clock in the morning and starts tweeting. So, I I don't know. Who's he texting on his phone at 3 o'clock in the morning? Because I'm sure he's texting somebody. This article from The Hill highlights this tweet. Um, This article is by Kyle Bullock. Posted the 26th of February at 6.47 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's not too far after the tweet. This is the this is the kind of news world we live in. Trump tweets, The Hill publishes story moments later. Because it's so important. So let me quote some of this article. Quote, former Labor Secretary Tom Perez, was President Obama's former Labor Secretary, uh, on Saturday defeated Representative Keith Ellison from Minnesota to become the next DNC chairman in a win for centrist Democrats. The race, which split along establishment grassroots lines, in many ways mirrored the divisive 2016 presidential primary between Senator Bernie Sanders, independent from Vermont, it even states that in the article, can you believe that, independent from Vermont, and Hillary Clinton. Sanders and many of his allies backed Ellison, the first ever Muslim elected to Congress, and a star on the left. Quote, Congratulations to Thomas Perez, who has just been named chairman of the DNC. I could not be happier for him or for the Republican Party, Trump tweeted on Saturday, sparking a response from the DNC chairman. Tom Perez tweeted out, Call me Tom. Tom Perez said, Quote, Call me Tom and don't get too happy. At Keith Ellison and I and Democrats united across the country will be your worst nightmare. End quote. Article further goes on to state, Trump throughout the campaign said the Democratic primary system was rigged against Sanders and appealed for the senator's supporters to back the real estate mogul campaign. Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz, remember her, stepped down as DNC chairwoman last year after hacked emails posted by WikiLeaks appeared to show DNC staffers working to undermine Sanders. Uh, basically, those emails, we all remember, was like the uh, the business talkings of the Clinton campaign and emails back and forth. What what Joe Blow said, you know, you know things about how to win over the, the Bernie supporters and get them on their side because they have to respect that. Well, <laughs> the Democrats, are they in good territory? Eh. Eh. This this whole political landscape is is like somebody threw it in a blender and hit for pay, you know? Or is it frappe? I don't know. I don't care. But that's what it's like. It's like somebody just keeps tossing it up and making it chaotic. Super chaotic. 
I need to talk to some of my um, some of my lefty friends and see how they feel about the uh, election of Thomas Perez and if they really think the Democratic Party is a hopeful future or if it's like question mark. Because I'm still sitting here wondering, is the Republican Party going to let Trump be primaried if he makes it that far? And you know, speaking of Trump and Bernie Sanders on the mind too, Bernie Sanders... Uh, of course, uh, didn't have uh, very uh, good things to say about the uh, the democratic uh, process. Uh, now I'm quoting CNN, of course, which is uh, uh, fake news, so take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> and that's what we call a joke. Uh, this article is by Eric Bradner, posted yesterday, Sunday, February 26th. Quote, Bernie Sanders said on State of the Union Sunday that he doesn't believe... His candidate for Democratic National Chairman, Minnesota Representative Keith Ellison, was defeated Saturday because the election was rigged, but the system could use some retooling. The Vermont senator was responding to a question from CNN's Jake Tapper about whether President Donald Trump had a point when he tweeted early Sunday, Bernie's guy, like Bernie himself, never had a chance. I just quoted that one for you. Sorry for repeating territory. Uh, Bernie said, quote, no, he doesn't have a point. Yes, it's it's time for the Bernie voice. Uh, Sanders said before offering a criticism of an election process that put the party leadership decision in the hands of the mere 447 voting members of the DNC. That's why the system, uh, that's what the system is. And one thing, one of the things new uh, DNC chairman Tom Perez is going to have to change is to figure out how we elect national democratic leaders. Uh, I'm not quite impressed with the process that exists. Uh, Not shocking that Bernie, an independent person, not uh, not affiliated with the Democrats anymore, is not impressed with the democratic uh, process in the Democratic National Committee. That was a mouthful to get through. That was a mouthful to get through. But Bernie is unhappy with that. Bernie doesn't like it. It it, it is uh it is a huge huge dis disservice to uh to uh people who want to feel the burn. Uh progressive uh institution. Uh yeah, uh, it's it's not I'm not very impressed with it. It's it, I'm not very impressed. And I'm not very impressed with my Sanders. It's been a while since I've had to bust out the Bernie voice. Just saying. And then all this madness, political back and forth, Twitter warfare between party leaders and all that. You have Jimmy Kimmel talking serious at the Oscars. Quote, if every one of you took a minute out. To, if, if Sorry, I already fumbled the ball with that. Let me start over. Quote, if every one of you took a minute to reach out to one person you disagree with, someone you like. And have a positive, considerate conversation, not as liberals or conservatives, as Americans. If we would all do that, we could make America great again. End quote. Jimmy Kimmel at the Oscars last night. Probably the only positive thing I could say about recent celebrity diatribe. And speaking of the Oscars, now I didn't watch the Oscars. And part of that is because I was at work. (laughs) That's what I do Sunday nights. I go to work. But uh, even if I wasn't at work, 
That doesn't mean I would have watched the Oscars. The last time that I watched the Oscars was when Seth MacFarlane hosted the Oscars. And I only watched that because I I enjoy Seth MacFarlane. I think he's a funny dude. I don't, I don't see eye to eye and agree with Seth MacFarlane politically even, but I enjoyed his Oscar performance. It, he'll probably never be asked to do it again, but that's beside the point. You had a lot of uh, people griping about Casey Affleck winning Best Actor of Man in in Manchester by the Sea. I didn't even see it. Emma Stone got Best Actress from La La Land. Didn't see it. Uh, the Salesman was the best foreign language film. Probably ninety percent of that audience didn't see it. Zootopia was the best animated feature film. Eh, probably. I can't. That's nitpicking. I don't. I don't know. Uh, best Supporting Actor. In the movie Moonlight was uh, Mahershala Ali. Uh, Best Supporting Actress in a film, Fences, Viola Davis. Best Documentary Feature, O.J. Made in America, which uh, I actually do want to see that. I've heard great things about that. Uh, Best Director, Damien Chazelle from La La Land. Again, didn't see it. Best Original Music Sound Score, La La Land. Manchester by the Sea for Best Original Screenplay. City of Stars, Best Original Song. Don't even know what that's from. Yeah, I don't even know what that's from. Don't even want to... Best Writing Adapted Screenplay, Moonlight. uh, Best Cinematography, Linus Sandgren, La La Land. uh, Colin Atwood for Best Best Costume Design, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Best Animated Short Film is Piper. Uh... The Jungle Book had the best visual effects. Sing was the best live-action short film. Uh, John Gilbert got best film editing for Hacksaw Ridge. That's uh, Mel Gibson's project. Uh, The White Helmets was the best documentary on a short subject. And, uh, well, you know what? I'm going way too deep into this now. Uh, Basically, Star Wars, or Rogue One, a Star Wars story won nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Which is, uh, pisses me off, to say the least. Um, Sorry, I threw something. I was mad. I was angry. Uh, Rogue One wins nothing at all. Star Wars always gets snubbed. Star Wars always gets snubbed. But speaking of, well, not snubbed, but how about Epic Fails? All right, in the vein of Steve Harvey at uh, what, what was it, the beauty pageant a while ago, Miss America, or whatever, where he read or Miss Universe, I, uh, whatever it was. Remember, Steve Harvey came out and totally read the wrong name, and they gave the sash and the flowers to the chick, and then they were like, "Oh, wait, wait, hold on, wait, there's been a mistake," and somebody probably got fired. Somebody probably got eviscerated for said mistake. I don't know, but same thing happened last night at the Oscars announcing Best Picture 2017. Uh, Who was it? Warren Betty and Faye Dunaway were out there, and they open up an envelope, and uh, at the top of the envelope, it should have been a dead giveaway, it said Emma Stone, uh, La La Land. And so, but they opened it up and said, oh, hey, La La Land's Best Picture, and La La Land comes up, everybody comes up, they go through their speeches, They, they start going through their speeches, and then all of a sudden... There's a big commotion in the back of the of the state on the stage, and uh, you know it was a moment where they had to come out and go. Um, 
Oops. <laughs> Oops. We were wrong. It's not La La Land. It's Moonlight. And But to their credit, the cast of La La Land, uh, who had go- gone through all this heartfelt emotional stuff for winning Best Picture, cla- like in a very classy style, no, Moonlight, you're the Best Picture. They pull out, look at, look, Moonlight got it. It's you guys. This is not a joke. Get up on stage. Handed them the Oscar and gave them the stage. They shared the stage with them, even. And it was actually like a good moment of, of, well, look how this look how this mess up came and and disheveled everything. But at the same time, people were respectful about it. And you know, hey, accidents happen. I'm sure somebody got eviscerated over it. Somebody's fired and without a job because they gave. Warren Betty the wrong damn card or something I don't know, but some somebody somebody paid, <laughs> somebody paid. You saw a lot of unity on the stage, a lot of professionalism. Somebody paid. Twenty seventeen outshining Steve Harvey's goof on a national live stage. Wow, just wow. Hey, how about uh, we call it cuts for a week? It's been forty five minutes, so. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Check out State Senator Anthony Del Colo. I'll be keeping in touch with him. Like and share this on your social media, and I'll see you next week.